Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Are you in a mess? Are you in trouble? Are you in a crisis? Are you in a bad place? And you're there because of your own actions, your own sin. I have an answer for you today. If you will listen, if you'll stay with me to the end, I have your answer. And I will show you how to get out. All right, if you will turn with me to James 1, chapter, uh, verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. And this next phrase is the one I want to get to. With whom? Whom? The Father of lights is no variableness, no variableness, and neither shadow of turning. No variableness. You know what that means? There's no change. There is no change. No variableness, no vary, no change. You know, that's a good thing. But if you notice, it says no change, no shadow of turning. He is the same God in the New Testament as he was in the Old. No variableness, no shadow of turning. You know what that means? God's not going to pull a fast one on you. No shadow of turning. Well, if you had people pull, pull it on you, God won't. There is no shadow of turning in God. That is a wonderful thing to trust. You know, you can't trust man a lot of times, but you can trust God. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. So he's the same in the Old Testament and in the New. Well, why would I say that? Turn with me to 2 Samuel. Chapter 21, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. We're going to find a story here. Something that actually happened with, the king, with king David. It said, there was a famine in the days of King David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered that famine. Why was there famine in the land? Famine, no food. It says, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered, it is for Saul and for his bloody house because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, for the remnant of the Amorites. And the children of Israel had sworn unto them. Joshua swore unto them when they came into the land that Joshua, they actually tricked Joshua, and Joshua promised he wouldn't hurt them. And he said, And the children of Israel had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Now this is God. God, there's famine in the land. Wherefore, David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? What's going to satisfy you people so that we can get out of the famine? That's what David is saying to the Gibeonites. What do I need to do to satisfy you people so I can get out of this famine? And look at the answer. And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will have no silver nor gold of Saul, nor of his house, neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, what shall you say? And I will do it 
for you. What do you want? And look at their answer. And they answered the kings, the, mass, the man that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel. Let seven men of his sons, Saul's sons, be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gilboa of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I'll do it for you. I'll have them. I will have them. Seven sons of Saul. That's what the Gibeonites wanted. Hung up for God to see them. And it says, verse 7, And the king spared Mephishoset, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bore unto Samuel, Am, Am, or is it Armoni and Mephishoseth, a different one, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Bezerliah of the Meohite. Oh, I love these names. Meholathite. Yeah, try walking in the spirit and have to deal with this. All right. It says, but do you notice Micah, Michael? This was David's first wife. And Michael, uh, David left and Saul gave her to somebody else. And five of her sons are hung. Remember what Michael did with David? It's not cool to mess with God, folks. It's not cool to mess with God's prophets. Five of her sons are given. Now let's go to verse 9. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together. They were killed and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. They were hung up, seven men, so God could see them. So God could see him. And Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it for her on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day nor the beasts of the field by night. And it was told David that Rizpah, the daughter of Ea, the concubine of Saul, had done. Verse 12, And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son, from the men of Jabeth-Gilead, which had stolen them from the street of Bashan, where the Philistines had hanged them when the Philistines had slain Saul and Geboah. And he brought them up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son, and they gathered the bones of them that were hanged, the seven that were hung, and the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son buried they in the country of Benjamin in Zelah, in the sepulcher of Kish his father. And they performed all that the king commanded, and after that, after the seven men were hung up, and then they went and got the bones of Jonathan and Saul and put them in the grave, after that, God was entreated for the land and the famine stopped. God is God. Turn with me to John 12. Actually, go back with me to James 1.17 for a moment. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no variableness, no variation, no change. God hasn't changed. You notice it took seven men to die before that famine was taken away. I want you to look in verse 13 of First James, uh, James 1. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Look at this next verse. And when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And look what sin does. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. It bringeth forth death. God hasn't changed. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. You have sin. Guess what your payback is? Guess what your payback is with sin? And you know what? God hasn't changed. He's of no shadow of turning. To David, to get the famine out of the land of Israel, he had to kill some of Saul's sons in retribution. God doesn't change. You say, God's a savage God. He's God. He's God. He is God. And there is no other God. And he doesn't change. But, but, let's go to John 12, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking, and we've read this before. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. The whole reason Jesus was born was to go to the cross, was to go to the cross. And Jesus is talking about it here, and he says he's troubled. He doesn't want to go. And then he says, Father, glorify thy name. And there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. What a wonderful word. Jesus, you're going to the cross, but you're coming out. You are coming out. And then Jesus answered and said, this voice, all the people therefore that stood by heard it and it thundered. And others said, an angel spoke unto him. And Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. That's the devil. And look at this next verse. And if I, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up, all men will draw unto me. What did David have to do? He had to take the seven men and hang them up for God to see them. People were starving. He had to take the men and hang them up for God to see them. And what's Jesus saying here? I'm getting ready to be hung up. I am getting ready to be hung up. Hang me up and I will draw all men unto thee. Jesus was hung up. He was hung up on the cross. He was not on the ground. He was hung up on the cross. You know what? Men saw them throughout the city of Jerusalem. You could see outside. Um, he hung on, was he hung on in uh, Golgotha? He was hanged at Golgotha. You could see him. All, men could see him if they were nearby. But you know who else saw him? God. We hung him up. And God saw him hung. God saw him hung. You know what he had when he was hanging up there? He had your sin. He had your sin. And he was hung up for all men and for God to see. He was your sacrifice. 
like the seven men that David had to sacrifice so that the famine was gone, God took Jesus and he hung him up for our sacrifice. Do you see that was for you? He hung him up so God could see him, we could see him. It was for you. He had your sin on him. He had your iniquity on him. He had my iniquity on him. He had our sickness on him. He had everything that God did not like about us on him. He had your weakness. He had your doubt. He had your unbelief. He had your unforgiveness. And he hung it. He was hung with it up in the air where you could see it. You could see the sacrifice. And not only that, when he was hung, every bone became out of joint. Every bone out of joint. The man was put asundered. If you ever dislocated a bone and you know how painful it was, well, every bone of Jesus was out of joint. Why? He had our sin on him. This is what God thinks of sin. This is what God thinks of sin. You know, we put away sin lightly. We say, well, God will forgive me. Have you ever considered what the body of Jesus looked like when it was hung there? That is what God thinks about sin. That is what God thinks about your sin. That is an open examination, an open example of what God thinks about sin. Every bone out of joint, stripes, beaten, and hung out for everybody to see. That's what God thinks about our sin. And what did he do with it? He put somebody and hung him there. He hung him there. Just like David did with the seven men, he hung Jesus there for us. Do you hear? That's where your sin went. Are you in trouble because of the sin that you committed? Well, that sin was hung on a cross where God and man could see it. Your sin. So that God could see the sacrifice. And God looked on it. And he turned his back on it because he couldn't look at your sin. Jesus bore your sin and he was lifted up. Thank God there is an end to your sin. There is a finished place with your sin. Turn with me to Romans 5. I'm going to begin in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, in the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man on one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But look at this next verse. But God commendeth his love toward us, proved his love toward us, demonstrated his love for us. That's what commended mean. Demonstrated his love to us when it says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see that? Why we were the worst. Why we were our worst. Why we were deep in our sin. Why we were in our sin and liking it. That's when God sent Jesus to hang for you. That's when your sin was taken from you and put on the body of Jesus. God proved his love for us. I am in trouble because of what I've done. That what you've done was put on the tree. It was put on the body of Jesus. Can you get a hold of that? Because if you can get a hold of that, you can get out of your trouble. 
God will lead you out of your trouble that you got yourself into if you can get a hold of the fact that that man was hung up and he had your sin, what you did on him, on him. And then Jesus died. And then his body was put in a grave. And then his soul, God sent to hell to pay for you. The lowest pit in the flames. Jesus was punished. Punished. Jesus was punished. Psalm 88, the wrath of God was on him. Why? Because God didn't want it on you. Because God didn't want it on you. He loved you enough. He didn't want it on you. He doesn't want his wrath on you. Do you understand that? He doesn't want you to be beat up. He doesn't want you to be thrown aside. He doesn't want you to be rejected. He doesn't want you to suffer the wrath of God. He doesn't want you to suffer what's coming. And how did he know? How do we know that? He proved it by sending Jesus to hell to take his wrath for you. God had to have wrath. He had to be paid back. And Jesus did it for us. He did it for us in hell, and he did it for you in hell. And if you can grab a hold of that, and you can hang on to that, that will bring you out. There was a situation when I first got the Plano, and I saw some judgment coming that wasn't pretty, and it was frankly very, very scary. Very scary. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And one night, it, was, it went on for weeks. One night, I went out onto the patio. It was late, late at night. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. And I remember the, the moon was shining, and I sat on the patio. And I was one scared female because I realized that my sin had got me into judgment, and I didn't know what God was going to do with me. And it did not look good. It didn't look good. And I sat on the chair, and I looked up, and I said, Father, I understand what I did. I understand the sin that I'm in. I understand that the judgment of God is right in front of me. But I want to remind you of something. Now listen to me. I said, God, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you that what I've done was on the body of Jesus. I want to remind you that Jesus bore what I have done. I want to remind you that you put it on Jesus when you hung him up on the cross. I want to remind you that he was sent to hell by you to pay for what I have done. I want to remind you of this. I want to remind you that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that you were satisfied with Jesus' wrath on him in hell, and you raised him from the dead. And when you raised him from the dead, you were satisfied concerning what I have done. You were satisfied. I want to remind you, Father, you were satisfied. And you know what happened? The whole situation turned. The situation turned. And I am here today, not because of me, never because of us. I am here because of what Jesus did for me, for me. And you know what? He will do the same thing for you. He will do the same thing for you. 
But the first thing that you have to do is you have to be born again. Jesus said that in John 3. You must be born again. You must let Jesus be Lord of your life and let his spirit come into you. Be born of God. You must be born again. How do you do that? Just like I said, Father, Jesus died for me. He bore my sin on his body. He went to hell for me, and you were satisfied, and you raised him from the dead. And Father, I believe that. And when you say that, when you say that with your mouth, and you believe that in your heart, Jesus immediately, Jesus immediately is born into you, and you are born again. And the Spirit of Jesus is in you, and he will lead you out of that situation you're in. I know he will because he's done it to me time and time and time again. It is getting to the point where I love it when it looks really bad because I know when it looks really bad, it's going to get really good. You know why? Because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. You know what? That's wonderful. You know how wonderful that is that you don't have to rely on you? That you don't have to rely on how you act? You don't have to rely on how you feel? Because sometimes you don't feel so hot. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Jesus died for you anyway. Jesus was buried for you anyway. And glory be to God, Jesus was raised again for you anyway. Anyway, he came out of the grave. You know why he came out? Because he, your sin was forgiven. Because your actions were forgiven. Because of you being an idiot was forgiven. Ever been there? Yes. But he came out of the grave and that proved to us God accepted that sacrifice of Jesus being hung up there. He was accepted by the Father, and God raised him from the dead. And you know what? He got Jesus out of that situation. And Jesus knows how to get out of every situation. And if you're born again, that Jesus is in you. And you know what? He loves this stuff. He loves being able to get out of the situation. He loves leading you out. And you look back at it when you've gone through, and you think, my God, look at what happened. Boy, that wasn't so hard. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that because it's coming right back. Jesus died for you. He was buried for you. He was raised again for you. Believe that. Call on him and he will come. God bless. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.